Pushkin. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. There's a bunch of stuff I want to ask you. A lot of it is about the relationship between technology and creativity, and especially given the fact that you've been working at Pixar for a long time, respectfully, uh, how that changes over time. Okay, so how creativity changes as technology changes. Yeah. So actually, can you just say your name and your job? Sure. Uh, My name is Danielle Feinberg, and I work at Pixar Animation Studios, and I am a visual effects supervisor. So you're a visual effects supervisor now. If I understand correctly, you spent a lot of your career there. You've been at Pixar for more than, what, 25 years at this point or so, right? Yeah, I hit 26. Mazel tov. Um, (laughs) You were a director of photography for lighting for for a lot of your time there, right? And that's striking to me because... If I understand correctly, there are, in fact, like no photographs and no actual lights in (laughs) Pixar movies, right? So what does it mean to be the director of photography for lighting on, you know, movies like, say, Coco? So picky of you, Jacob. Um, Sorry. Curious. um... I'm curious. (laughs) I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? The show where I talk to people who are trying to make technological progress. My guest today, as you've already heard, is Danielle Feinberg. And as you will hear, we did talk about creativity and technological change. Also, we talked about the problem she's trying to solve now. And we talked about how we can often wind up following rules that are not particularly useful. And that, in a lot of cases, we don't even know we are following. So director of photography is um, in a live action movie is the same as a cinematographer. And so they're doing camera and lighting together, essentially. And so um, in our world in animation, we split that what is traditionally one role in live action to two roles. And so we have a director of photography for camera and a director of photography for lighting. And just to be clear, I mean, camera is a metaphor in this instance, right? Like just so I'm thinking about it, right? There is in fact no camera, right? There is a virtual camera. And so Uh we build a virtual three-dimensional world and we actually have a chunk of code that is our camera that mimics a lot of things that a real life camera does. 
Um, and as time go has gone by, in fact, that that camera has gotten more and more like real life. And we even use specific sets of lenses sometimes wow. modeled after certain uh -huh. um, companies' and, lenses and, and stuff. And so the lenses are, are code, basically, that generate yeah. images that look like a picture you take with a certain actual Yes, exactly. Lens. Exactly. And so similarly then, presumably, the the lighting is sort of similarly virtual, but modeled on actual lights. Yeah, you know, it's it originally it was modeled on um, a version of a light. It wasn't like, oh, this is tungsten light, or this is a light bulb that I would have in my lamp at home. It was like, here's a light. You can do whatever you want with it. You can make <laughs> it as bright as you want. You can make it as big as you want. You can all kinds of things. And so in those sort of early days, it was um, easy to do things that looked sort of wrong visually because we weren't beholden to some of the same physics in real life. Uh-huh. So. So, so it was almost like uh, too much, you had too much power and you could just get crazy it, with the yeah, light and we people were like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. We had all the power and you had to use it wisely. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, so there's different ways to talk about to talk about this, and and I want to try a few, but but one way that I thought might be interesting to to frame this is to talk to talk about the way that the craft really of what you do has changed. I know you worked on on Turning Red, the recent Pixar movie, mm -hmm. uh, which, like millions of other people, I watched at home during the pandemic with my daughters. So thank you for that. Excellent. Um, nice. And then you also you worked on A Bug's Life in yep. the late nineties, right? And yep. so I thought it might be interesting to compare. A bug's life to turning red in terms of the sort of technology and and creativity, right? How you created in those different, really kind of technological eras. I mean, that's a long time yeah. in the development of computer generated animation, right? I mean, one one question in that context is, what is something that you wanted to do when you were making a bug's life, but that you couldn't, that now would be really easy to do? Yeah, uh, probably so many things. Um, <laughs> When you think about A Bug's Life, um, that was my first film I worked on here. And at that time in the world, there was one feature length computer animated film that had ever been released, which was Toy Story. A lot of what was happening was just being made up um, of uh -huh. how to make these movies. And so, um, and it was a very tiny group of people just kind of figuring out how to do this computer animation thing as a movie. And so, you know, back then Pixar was just this tiny little company that like uh -huh. nobody knew Pixar made Toy Story like they saw the Disney on it and uh -huh. like nobody I used to have to say oh I do computer animation I work at a place called Pixar and then around the time of maybe Finding Nemo I said that and someone was like we all know what Pixar is you can stop saying that oh, uh -huh. <laughs> and so it was very cool but like um on a bug's life part of the thing is it's this colony of ants and you know what we know of ants is there's a lot of them once you find them and where they live and doing a scene with a hundred ants in it back on a bug's life was a, a huge, huge deal. We had to write a whole um, chunk of crowd software and figure out really how to jam it into the system and get it to render and um, meaning generate the final images, which is when the computer is crunching um, all of the work you've done and doing a million um, calculations to generate just one image and you need 24 of those images to make one second of film. So for a 90 minute film, you're doing, you can imagine the sort of scope of the calculations you're doing and doing a crowd of a hundred was a really big deal. You know, we can do crowds much bigger than that. Now 
we can give them all kinds of um, sort of acting properties where on A Bug's Life, it really was someone was animating a, an ant and then you could sprinkle that animation across things. And then they'd animate another bit and you sprinkle on some of the other ones. Um, uh-huh. But like I was giving a talk for, I do a lot of talks for girls um, to try and keep them interested in math and science to, to get some better numbers in STEM. And I pulled some clips from A Bug's Life and I was going through this whole thing of like, you know, what you don't want is for some two ants to be doing the same movement. And then you can see in the clip I pulled like three ants are moving their arms like this or something. And and it was very funny because back then it was really what we were doing was very hard. And now it's it's much easier. And and it would have just been too computationally intensive to have all the ants doing different things, basically. So you sort of cheated by like having some of them do the same thing. Yeah. And like you did. 10 little animated bits and sprinkled it across and you thought that's probably enough. Uh-huh. And we were probably out of time, honestly, you know, also. And then yes. and, and the on next- a certain level, it was enough, right? Like, I don't know that yeah. people watched A Bug's Life and like, oh, that's so cheesy. Those two ants are doing the same thing. Right. And if we're doing our job right, you're actually looking at the, the characters who are doing the acting and, and uh-huh. the, the crowd is the background in a lot of ways. But, you know, there's this whole thing of... Um, Back then, you were you were much closer to some of the sort of the guts and the code, and you'd write a little code, and you'd generate a picture, and you'd kind of a lot of back and forth. And I think a lot of the development that's happened over time has been to abstract away from that code so that people that really are coming from maybe a pure art background, or they're somewhat technical, but they're really artistically based, could still thrive in this, this area. Now, Pixar's this really wonderful place where we have all these people that are really like this wonderful combo of art and technology. And some are very technical and some are very artistic and a lot of people are somewhere in between. So it makes it kind of accessible to more people um, in a, in a great way, I think. But um, back in the old days, it was definitely, um, it was just a different thing. And you were spending a lot of your time kind of not in a creative space. Part of it was in a, just trying to get the computer to do what you want to do. Um, in a kind of rudimentary way. Yeah. I mean, clearly Pixar movies have gotten more beautiful, right? Uh, And certainly complex. Um, And so the, the benefits of technological improvements, I mean, both, I'm sure a lot of it is just processing speed and Moore's law, but also, I'm sure also on the sort of software side that you all have developed. So it's clear the ways in which it's gotten better, right? I'm curious though, in fact, I heard in one of the interviews I listened to uh, in preparing for this interview, one of your interviews, you mentioned this idea that when you get new tools, obviously you gain things, but sometimes there are things that you lose as well. And so I'm curious when you look back you know, to to much earlier in your career, when you had fewer tools and and frankly worse technology, were there things that I don't know that you could do better or differently? Are there things you miss about that time from a from a creativity standpoint? Yeah, um, definitely. So, as an example of things, I'll start with the things that we couldn't do and now can. So, Bugs Life, I mentioned crowds. And then um, when we got to Monsters Incorporated, we needed a monster that had hair. We couldn't, we had no idea how to do hair. That was a huge R&D project. The next was Finding Nemo. We didn't know how to do underwater. And so we had to figure out how to do underwater and what the elements were and then sort of develop the technology so that instead of just in a test shot, all the people across the show could, could do underwater in this sort of 
easy way from the most technical person down to the most junior that they could still sort of execute uh-huh. it. So, so you didn't just have to sort of render water. You had to build kind of a toolkit so that people yeah. could create yeah. in water. Yeah. And so that's one yeah. of the really fun, fun things is you take some, we took some live action footage of water and tried to recreate it. And then you start breaking down all of that messy looks development work you did. And it turned out there were five or six elements that when you put them together, we can make it look like underwater. Huh. And then you take each of those That's elements cool. and turn That's it like into a, a more packaged up thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really fun. It's very, kind of scary while you're doing it because you don't know if you're ever going to get anywhere good. But yeah. Um, and so then you go to a movie like The Incredibles and um, the daughter, Violet, has long hair. And that was a completely unsolved problem in computer graphics. And it was all the way up kind of to the last minute that um, it wasn't, it got solved. Uh, she might've had short hair if, if somebody hadn't yeah, figured but, something out. Yeah, yeah. But this is one of the fun things about Pixar is sort of if a director says, well, that's a story point, which is what Brad Bird, the director said, he's um, said, well, this is how we're telling the audience who Violet is. So she hides behind her long hair and it's this big sort of story moment. And he says, it's a story point. And that is sort of good as gold here. And it doesn't mean you spend a lot of time talking about whether you're going to do it. You just go figure out how to do it. <laughs> and so it's this creativity driving technology. And I think this really wonderful way um, and a very fun and scary way, but it's like, we're doing this. Um, there was quite a while where uh, Violet's hair looked like kind of Marge Simpson's beehive. Cause when the uh-huh. computer doesn't uh-huh. do it right, it does something pretty spectacular with hair and cloth. So it goes way wrong. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so those are all things, those are examples of sort of things we literally couldn't do that then the movie and the story spur it so that we then know how to do it. Um, one of the things is there was kind of a push to get more and more real life mimicking real life more and more. Mm-hmm. So as we push, say, lighting and materials more towards what um, sort of real life light responses say, suddenly what started to happen is that we could get to something that looked better much faster. So you can start to put the sun in. In the olden days, we'd put the sun in and then you'd put another light that was the light bouncing off the ground. And you put another light in that's the light coming from the sky, a bounce light, a fill light, a key light. And now what we could do is you put the sun in and the computer is calculating how that light is bouncing around. And then uh-huh. you can start augmenting. The computer is just figuring out what the world would look like if the sun were in that spot in the sky. If the sun were in that spot and the light was bouncing off of things and yeah. these materials are more real life than they were before, they have a better material response. And like, uh-huh. oh, doesn't doesn't that look nice? It used to take me longer to get to something that looked nice like that. And there's complexity to it that we just couldn't get before. So isn't that lovely? Um, and so all of that is is fantastic until you want to do something that is maybe not real life. Um, say you want to stylize it or even say the director wants you to get the shadow off the face. Suddenly that you can't do that anymore because as you push oh. more and more towards real life, those are things you can't do very well in real life. Um, and so... And, and you can't... And because you've built essentially a piece of software where you've said, make it real life, the software's like, no, you can't take the light off the face because I'm making it real life and there would be light on their face in real life. Yeah, and so suddenly it was it was really funny. I'm talking to one of the the sort of scientific engineering people who's, who's engineering the system and he's a really brilliant guy. And I said, well, what if the director asked me to take a reflection off of something or move a shadow? Like that stuff we do all the time for the storytelling of it. And he said, Oh, you just tell the director they can't do that. And you know, which is, 
I don't know what it's like anywhere else, but you don't really usually tell the director they can't do something. And especially not because we took that capability away, you know, like yeah. it, it was really hard. And he was coming from this purest, he doesn't ever talk to the director. He's coming from this purest, like, this is what the real world does. Yeah. So there was sort of this time period where as they're getting the system up and running the thing is they'd say, well, you could do that, but like, it's going to slow everything down. And there were so many more oh. calculations happening that slowing it down felt really like the end right. of the As, world. And, and people are like spending all day solving optimization problems, right? Trying to speed it up so that the ants aren't all doing the same thing in the background yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're like, why do you idiots need to move a shadow? That doesn't happen in real life, you know, yeah. sort of thing. And so, yeah. um, so the interesting thing that's happened, so that's sort of an era. And then the interesting thing that happened is now we're in an era where we're getting some of both. I think where you get the, the sort of harness the power of the computer in a lot of ways where it's mimicking real life, but now we have more ability to kind of break out into that. And I think that's because- In terms of realism versus kind of stylization. Just flavor yeah. and stylization and what a director wants and sort of guiding the audience. We, in lighting, we spend a lot of time guiding the audience's eyes so that uh, they're looking at the right thing. You imagine a film like Wally, where there's no dialogue for the first 30 minutes. If you're distracted very by- bold, Very bold, very bold move. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. It was very scary when we were working on it. We're like, no I one's going to go see this movie. Um, but you know, if we leave some shiny thing off in the corner and you're looking over there, you might miss an entire chunk of of the setup of the movie because we're yeah. that was all visual storytelling for 30 minutes. And so, um, so, so there's a lot of just compositional things that we need to be able to do that aren't necessarily real world things, but we still need to do them. And- um, you know, it also kind of invites the like, we have these conversations sometimes that are like, well, why are we making this movie as an animated film? Like, you could just go make this a live action movie. And like, why? we're not taking advantage of the medium. Like, they're just different art forms. And like, how do you make animation sing? And in animation, like, you can do anything. And so take advantage of it, sort of. And so, um, so I think we're in a better place now in terms of like, there's all this like visual gain and speed gains by mimicking some of real life, but we've started to roll back in a lot of the the ability to sort of maneuver it artistically too. We're not, I don't know that we're totally there. Sometimes it's still really hard, but but I think we're getting to a place that at least makes me happy. It might not make that engineer happy at all, <laughs> but uh -huh. it makes me happy. So well, well, that's the like, you're telling the sort of Goldilocks story where like at first just you were limited by computing power and the lack of sophistication of the software because people were just figuring out how to do this. And then there was a moment when you had sort of gone too far into just mimicking reality. And now you're in the sort of just right phase. Although I, you know, it's never going to be just right. Yeah. Cause you're always, I mean, I'm sitting on a movie right now where it's like, how, how on earth are we going to do that? Like, it's not clear. And, and our system isn't made to do that. So what are we going to do? You know? And so, well, let's talk about this like this. So, so the sort of frontier questions that you're bringing up, First of all, can you talk about the movie that you're working on? I can't. It's totally okay. secret. I love secrets. So you're working <laughs> on a secret Pixar movie. Yeah. Yep. Like what's the thing that you're working on right now uh, that you haven't figured out? In a general way. So, this, so there's this great thing happening um, within computer animation right now, I would say, which is the original Spider-Verse came out. Yeah, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, and it was- Loved it, respectfully. I know it's not a Pixar movie. Blew no, my no. mind. I love the new one. It. Went to the new one a couple yeah, yeah. Years, a yeah. couple weeks ago at the theater in the old school style. Yay. Awesome. Amazing. Like high art, right? Totally, like, yeah. Incredible, incredible and, movie. And I think both of those movies, the first one and now the second one, again, really 
inspired almost the entire industry. Huh. I mean, I don't even know if it's almost, I think inspired the entire industry because as you look at the films that have come out since then, everybody, um, there's so many instances of stylization that were not there before. And yeah, I mean, let's be clear when you say stylization for people who haven't seen the Spider-Verse movies, yeah. like they don't look anything like real life. They're not trying to look like real life. They look really interesting. They look kind of like comic books. In the case of the new movie, it's like pastiche. Sometimes there's like six different styles on the screen. And, and it sort of goes to this thing you're talking about, about moving away from just trying to represent reality. So so go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. So it's um, that first one, I think, because it it was unlike anything anyone had seen. In the same way, maybe that Toy Story was when I went and saw it when I was in college of just like, what is this? And this is amazing. And then Spider-Verse did that. And I, I'm not sure any of us at that point realized that we could do something that was that different and that new. And so it was huh. really exciting because we're working in this art form and suddenly it's like, oh, that's amazing. Someone did that. We want to do that, you know, and so. And was part of it that like, oh, we're Pixar and there's this thing that a Pixar movie is and it's a particular thing. You know, I I, I, I feel like in a much smaller way, I have felt that on, on smaller projects I've worked on where you sort of have this kind of internal grammar. You're like, oh, this is a whatever. This is a Planet Money story. But nobody who's listening actually cares or even knows, right? It's like you're just creating these rules that are binding yourself for no reason. Right. I think the thing is, like, when I got onto Turning Red, the director was like, the, the word in the hallway before I got on it was the director wanted to do a different look, which was exciting to everyone here because it's just doing different things is always exciting. And she's, at the time, was 29 maybe, and so younger than, than some of the sort of old school directors that have been here. And so coming in with just sort of different references, and she grew up with anime and so was really inspired by anime and wanted it to have some reference to that. And and so there's, okay, it's going to have a different look. And she said, I don't want it to have the Pixar look. And I, I had to this moment of like, the, what do you mean the Pixar look? We try so hard on every film to do whatever's right for the film. And then you sort of go, well, yeah, I mean, I guess we do sort of have a Pixar look, but it's not intentional. It's sort of like, we all just grew up here figuring out how to make movies together and a lot in the this sort of core group of folks and the, and we use our own rendering system and, and half our software is our own software. And so like, there's something that comes from that. And I think we were just always pushing to be able to do sort of bigger and better things, depending on whatever the story was and not so much thinking about stylizing stuff. And so here's this director saying, I want to, I want to, I don't want to do the Pixar look. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know what the Pixar look is. Let me think about this. I've been in the middle of it for so long that I don't even realize it sort of. Um, and so kind of looking at how that look comes about and then what do you need to do to break out of that? And what, it was this really interesting thing for me since I've been here so long of like, what are the rules that you're following that you don't even realize are out of date? Because some of them were based on old technology. Like, oh, we never do that. And then... Um, we never do that because you had... Because previously the technology had not allowed that. Yeah, it looked terrible. But maybe uh -huh. now with the technology, it wouldn't look terrible. Or I'll give you an example. So I was doing yeah. some looks tests early on before a lot of people were on. And we were trying to get um, this this really... this The lighting look in there, the sort of... Um, 
if you think about light to dark, there's not a lot of dark stuff in that movie in the first act of it or something. It's very, um, the mids are very lifted kind of. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that without doing a lot of um, like, you know, Photoshop type work on it. Um, and that was like a particular creative sort of storytelling desire is to have yeah, the color yeah. palette be in a certain way. Uh-huh. Yeah, to mimic sort of the main character May's um, sort of world and then it changing to be much more saturated, much more contrasting, and getting kind of crazy uh-huh. when she's uh, the Kind panda. of like uh, Kansas being black and white in yeah, The yeah, Wizard yeah. of Oz, but in a more subtle way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, I... I did some stuff, but I, the way I was doing it was like not working. I'm doing 10 other things while I'm doing it. And then we got our, our director of photography for lighting. He comes on and he's sits down and he's doing some tests and he shows something. I was like, that's awesome. What did you do? He's like, oh, I put a light from camera on everything. So a light blasting straight into camera, which we would never do because it looks flat it flattens everything out. It looks kind of stupid, but in this world and in this way, he totally made it work. And it isn't how we ended up doing it for the movie, but it was uh-huh. that was the moment where I was like, oh, I think I, I'm going to have to let go much more than I thought I did in uh-huh. order to like really find the ways that we can push stuff to find a new look. Because you realize that, in fact, there were a bunch of things that you did the same without thinking about, and there were other ways to do it that didn't even cross. 100%. And so then yeah. it, it was, th- that really was this sort of pivotal moment where I then was like, okay, Anytime your reaction is like, oh, we don't do it that way, or there's good reason, you have to you have to reconsider that and 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 decide whether that's actually still relevant or you just it's just sort of this long held thing. In a minute, with video games getting better and movies using more and more CGI, are we heading to a world where more or less everything is computer animation? You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Customers were paying too much for shaving products. So the people at Harry's came up with a way to make beautifully designed razors and sell them at lower prices. Exceptional products at honest prices. I've been using a Harry's razor the last few weeks, and it's great. Close shave. It's got a nice hinge, so it bends around my face in the right places. And I've used the same blade for multiple shaves, and it is still going strong. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry. They offer a no-risk trial, and Harry's offers a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Here's a headline. Harry's has the best shave at the best price. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com problem. 
That's harrys.com slash problem for a $3 trial set. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. It's nice to work hard some of the time, and then it's also nice to take a break. But as an investor, you want your money to be working for you all of the time. And that is what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help your money do. Betterment has automated technology, things like low-cost ETFs, which are basically cheap, efficient ways to invest. And if you're parking some of your money in cash, Betterment offers a high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Betterment also offers automated rebalancing. They keep your money balanced across asset classes like stocks and bonds in the way that you want. So you're not always having to decide, oh, I need to buy some more of this or sell some more of that. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Now, back to the show. You know, you've talked about all these ways over time in which you slash Pixar have solved technological problems to allow you to do more things creatively. And I'm curious now about that particular dynamic, whether it is for purposes of stylization or for purposes of just going into a world where uh, computer animated films have not gone. Are there things where you you all, you Pixar, are trying to figure out to solve te- technological problems so that you can do new creative things? You know, right now we have conversations about like, well, that's a lot of hair. That's going to be hard to generate <laughs> the final image. Or, yeah. oh, glass is expensive, or that translucent thing could be hard, or huh. that animation is going to be really tricky. Um, like Hank the octopus in Finding Dory, very hard. Eight tentacles turns out very hard. Doing a ro- <laughs> doing a rope, would not have challenging. Would not like, have guessed. Yeah. yeah, and so so there's these things where they're like. It's not like you couldn't do it, but they're annoying to do, so you don't see them very often. And so, at a certain annoying point, means like hard and expensive, basically. Yeah, hard and, and kind of tedious, yeah. and like yeah. And so, at some point, a lot of that hopefully is not tedious anymore. And so, that opens up different stories and different worlds. And maybe it opens up that you you know, like now everyone has a camera; they could shoot anyone can shoot videos. I mean, <laughs> TikTok is proof of that, right? Maybe anyone can make you know, animated films in a totally different way. Um, I don't know. Uh, you still have to tell great stories. And so that's, um, that's still going to always be the the main building block of it, but, but faster and um, easier is always the thing we, we are always sort of going after that. So that's this sort of, there's the sort of bottom up convergence, right? I mean, there's another convergence that's interesting to me when you're talking about like, you know, this sort of arc of first trying to make films that look more like reality and saying, oh, wait, wait, that's not actually the business we're in. Let's make things that are, you know, beautiful and interesting and look like nothing you've ever seen. Um, I feel like to some significant degree over the decades you've been working at Pixar, live action films have started to look more like animated films, right? Like, I mean, if you think of Marvel, which is probably the most important thing to happen in movies, on a, at least on a commercial level, yeah. and in some ways on a creative level over the last, whatever, 10 years, like 
you know, there's like whatever, a talking raccoon and a and a tree person, <laughs> right? Like they are yep. not going for reality and, and yeah. they are live action films, but they are, you know, CGI is is basically computer animation. And so, right, like maybe yeah. there is some convergence where it's everything's made with a computer. So whether we're calling it animation or like live action, yeah. like Marvel movies aren't exactly live action, right? It's like a right. dude doing motion capture in front of a green screen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's everything is overlapping, and that you know, and a lot of the live action stuff they're using all of the same stuff we do. There is no difference, except that they're shooting some live action plates that they're matching it to, you know, in a lot of ways, or they're doing yeah. virtual Avatar, production right? stuff. I didn't yeah. mention Avatar, maybe yeah. even more so, yeah. right? Yeah, like yeah, Avatar yeah. absolutely is is kind of a computer animation movie, right? Yeah, yeah, and and so you think about things like the um, Academy Awards, the animation um, category that's getting hazier and hazier. Like uh -huh. what is animation and what is live action? And, um, you know, especially with some of the things like live action Lion King or, or jungle book or, um, different things like that, where there is really a huge mix. And you, and you talk about games and that same thing. And those, the, the visual level of games has increased coming towards us. It used to always be that we were we would spend a lot of time on our renders to make them look beautiful. Games had to be so fast that there's no way that they could approach sort of the look we had and that's coming together and live actions coming together. And so everything's becoming much more possible, I think on, on all those fronts. And um, so maybe at some point it all is just one, one pie that um, everyone's pulling from. Does it make you sad? Is that a sad ending for you? <laughs> it's not sad to be able to think about, being able to work, um, being able to try anything and have no cost to it so that you could try this, you could try that and then try this and throw it out and do a different thing and not feel precious or worried about it. That's very exciting. Um, uh -huh. yeah, the cost constraint. I mean, it's funny that editor of this show was like, yeah, ask about cost constraints. I was like, no, let's not do cost constraints. So then you brought it up. So points to her. <laughs> um, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because there is one of the simple and I think underrated things technology does, maybe the fundamental thing is make things cheaper, right? Yep. And you're talking about that from the creative point of view, right? If it's cheaper to just try seven different things or cheaper to make an octopus or whatever, then you can try more stuff and make more stuff. Yeah. So on every movie, you look at a thing and you go, okay, um, am I going to build a system for that that makes it easier to do in a bunch of shots? Or are uh -huh. we just going to like kind of force it through, right? And we'll uh -huh. just hodgepodge it in every shot to get it through. And so in something like if it's a little bit tricky and it's in 10 shots, you just, you're just going to kind of make it happen and, and force right. it through, um, you know, kind but of. But if it's water for Finding Nemo, you're going to build a water You're going to build is, something yeah. that is really usable that people can make it look great. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's sort of always that trade-off and consideration of, of, how you're investing your your sort of time and well, money. And Pixar started as a tool company, right? Mm -hmm. Basically a hardware yeah. company. And there's this software render man that yeah. is still like, there's like a website and you can like pay and use the software that Pixar uses to make movies, right? Yeah. It is at some level a tools company. It is. Yeah. It's we're a funny place in that we're a we're we have our own studio tools group that write our a bunch of software that we use. We have the render man group that writes rendering software that's used throughout the industry. We, um, 
we make movies, but we're not totally Hollywood. We're not totally a tech company. We're some weird combination in between. And then we're in the Bay Area. So we're not even like down in Hollywood or down in Silicon Valley. And so um, it's an interesting place that I think has bred a lot of interesting things in terms of the combination of sort of art and technology here and the interest in driving computer graphics to make our movies to suit the story and then being inspired by technology to then change the story to take advantage of it. And so there's this really cool kind of feeding back and forth and advancement of technology because we don't put limits on story in the way you might otherwise. Um, so when, you know, they storyboard a character with long hair and we don't know how to do that, we still go after it and do it. And um, that's, that's an amazing place to be, I think. And then you not only have that character, presumably, in that instance, you have now a way that, oh, great, people in these worlds we create can now have long hair. That's yeah. another thing we can do. Yeah, totally. Until we got to Brave, and then long curly hair was its whole own problem. We had to re <laughs> rewrite the simulator. So, <laughs> Does it have to be curly? It's always something. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back in a minute with a lighting-focused lightning round. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Okay, off the top of my head, here are some things that are always growing. The universe, I think, as I understand it. Um, the number of podcasts in the world that have ever been published, for sure. Also, businesses that use Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps businesses at every stage from mom-and-pop shops to big, publicly-traded companies. Shopify helps businesses sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever businesses are selling, Shopify is there. Businesses can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify's AI-powered Shopify magic. There are big moments in every business, and Shopify can be there for all of them. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com problem. Go to shopify.com problem now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com problem. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Covino & Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Back to the show. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Edith said you listened to some episodes of the show, so I don't even need to explain that this is the lightning round. Um, but I didn't prepare at all, so, okay. That's, there's no way to prepare. It's the best <laughs> part of the show for that reason. Uh, I'll start with an easy one that okay. you were totally prepared for. Um, I know from, from listening to some other interviews you've done that you have often been the only woman in a room full of men at work. Uh, what is one tip you'd give to somebody uh, who, is, who is in that setting? You know, the only woman in a room full of men at work. Um, I found when I became a director of photography for lighting for Wally that I was, um, I was generating my own imposter syndrome. So I was getting quieter and quieter because I was suddenly in a room with sort of a new level of people. And I kept thinking, well, would I have known that? Would I have been able to answer that? Um, and there was this moment where I realized that my boss was particularly outspoken and he suddenly was talking about something about lighting. And I actually knew he was wrong, but he was saying it as if it was fact. And I sort of suddenly realized that just because someone is presenting something as fact doesn't necessarily mean that that's what that is. And that I was sort of like sidelining myself over something that was completely false. So what did you do? What did you do? Uh, my jaw dropped. And then I spoke up because I knew he was wrong, right? And so I was emboldened in that way to say, wait, 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 that, that's, that's not true. And, or I'm sure I probably found some nice way to say it. So I wasn't poking the bear, but. Yes, and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, and. What's your favorite non-Pixar movie? Hmm. I'm going to do another one. I got a better one. Okay. What's the best lighting you've ever seen in a non-Pixar movie? Oh, um, uh, you know, I, the original Blade Runner, I love so, so much for many reasons. Lighting is wonderful. The, the newer Blade Runner is fabulous. Um, yeah, it's interesting. When you mention Blade Runner, I think of the, that relationship between live action and animation. And I mean, if you want to like be warm and fuzzy about it, just the relationship between like what's real and what's not real, what's made by a computer and what's yeah, not yeah. thematically nice. Um, what's one tip for lighting my living room? Oh, I like that. Um, no bare bulbs. Uh, no bare bulbs, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, what, am I getting interrogated? Yeah. Um, you know, um, I, warm light to me always. Yeah. You think you'll ever leave Pixar? I, it's hard to imagine. It feels like it's my other family. Uh, and I have so much sort of knowledge invested here. And um, I, 
I love this place and I love getting to work on our films and I love what we do. Danielle Feinberg is a visual effects supervisor at Pixar. Today's show was produced by Gabriel Hunter Chang and Edith Russolo. It was edited by Sarah Nix and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. You can email us at problem at pushkin.fm. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Goldstein. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and we'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today.